So, Winnie Mandela has succumbed, uh, I guess, at the age of 81. She died, according to reports, of natural causes, surrounded by friends and family and loved ones, which is a lot more than can be said, of course, for her many, many victims. But let's dip in. I've got a full presentation, The Truth About Nelson Mandela, but let's just talk a little bit about what happened and some facts that you need to be aware of. And the first and foremost, of course, is that the 27-odd years that Mandela spent in prison was not because he criticized the apartheid regime. It was not because he wanted to create a rainbow nation. It was not because he decried the poor treatment of blacks under apartheid. It was because uh, he had admitted to running terror campaigns, including the infamous 1983 Church Street bombing, which killed 19 and wounded over 200. And um, oh, Nelson Mandela pled guilty to over 150 acts of public violence. And that is a basic fact. It has been established for many, many years, but you won't hear much about it, about it at all because, of course, there is this fantasy about the ANC and St. Mandela and so on. The ANC were uh, basically a bunch of um, communist thugs who wanted to gain power to destroy uh, freedom and to slaughter their enemies, as all Kremlin-backed bloodthirsty communist mobs wanted to do throughout, well, the entire history of communism. The communist regimes around the world have been responsible for at least 100 million murders. 100 million murders. And I just want to contrast this. I'll sort of play this in at the end as we continue com conversing about this. But you look at something like Stormy Daniels, the whole Stormy Daniels debacle, whether devoting endless amounts of attention to the possibility that, I guess more than 10 years ago, Trump may have had a consensual sexual relationship with a porn star, that is where the morality of the mainstream media is when it comes to talking about communism while well, their ethics are completely absent, if not absolutely reversed. The communist regimes that murdered at least 100 million people, well, a lot of them backed Nelson Mandela with troops and funding and more. And these South African revolutionaries, uh, Mandela and Zuma and others, they sang songs that advocated the mass murder of uh, white people. And also left out of these glowing obits, of course, is the fact that Mandela was repeatedly offered the opportunity to walk out of prison if he just renounced violence, which, of course, he consistently refused to do, and therefore he chose to stay in prison because he continued to advocate for terrorism, for political acts of mass murder in order to gain his objectives. And again, his objectives were not freedom for the blacks. His objective was destruction of capitalism and the imposition of a communist dictatorship in South Africa. That is not liberty for the blacks. And we've seen that, of course, play out. Nelson Mandela, of course, the leader of the African National Congress, that was an organization designated as a terror terrorist group by the U.S. State Department and many intelligence agencies and many governments around the world. There was the ANC's Mkonto Wisiswe, which is called Spear of the Nation. 
He, Nelson Mandela co-founded this militant terrorist group within a larger political terrorist group, and he was tried and convicted for his terrorist activities, his subversive activities within these particular organizations. Now, of course, the addiction to covering up communist crimes in the media is rampant and completely out of control and has been uh, since, well, since Wanda Durante fraudulently got his Pulitzer Prizes for reporting on how wonderful Stalin's Russia was when, of course, millions of people were actually starving to death for the New York Times. All the news that's fit to print, unless it criticizes communism, in which case, McCarthyism. Because there are people critical of communism who have suffered enormously as genuine political prisoners, as genuine prisoners of conscience, not people who are thrown in jail for murdering people for, for political terrorism who then refused to leave jail because he refused to give up terrorism. Have you ever heard of Ignatius Cardinal Kung? This was the Roman Catholic Bishop of Shanghai, spent 33 years in prison in communist China. And this overlapped a lot of the time period that Nelson Mandela was in prison. Worse and, and, and lengthier. But what happened? He was released in 1988. Did you ever hear of him? Of course not. Because, you see, he was imprisoned by communists and he himself was a Christian. Therefore, you will not hear about it in the same way that Google will put a little cutesy logo or icon or squiggle up for just about every religious festival known to man, except Easter. For Christians, it's now been 18 years that they have not done anything to celebrate Easter. Dr. Oscar Elias Bisset. He was a black doctor in Cuba. He was Released eventually in 2011 after brutal captivity. Why? Because he criticized the island's communist regime. But did Nelson Mandela criticize the leaders in Havana, the leaders in Beijing, when he went to visit both countries? Did he talk about how terrible it was? The vast numbers of political prisoners and prisoners of conscience they had rotting away in their own dictatorial gulags? No. Of course not. Now, he did spend a lot of time, money, ink, and public facing time praising both Castro and the leaders of the Communist Party in China before they reformed. Did he spend any time saying, you know, I know what it's like to be a political prisoner, even if I wasn't actually a political prisoner, so maybe what you should do is start releasing your political prisoners. He did no such thing. Let's talk about the South African Communist Party. That is a hardcore Marxist-Leninist organization. And if you want to join, you got to pledge unquestioned obedience to the will of the party as determined by its central committee. And the South African Communist Party took its direction, as of course did most communist parties, from the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. And therefore, it was an agent of a hostile foreign power within South Africa. Now, the ANC, the African National Congress, originally started out with a lot of moderates and some Christians and people who wanted to build a more peaceful and a free society. But as is so often the case, the hardcore Marxist-Leninists through the South African Communist Party wormed their way into the ANC, pushed aside and sabotaged the more moderate leaders, and ended up pursuing the goal of uh, change through, through violence. So the ANC and this 
Umkonto Wisiswe, also controlled by the South African Communist Party. They were trained in Soviet Russia. They were trained in Red China. They were trained also in what the communists called frontline states, which were uh, Zambia, Angola, Mozambique, Tanzania, and Zimbabwe. And they were trained in violence and terrorism and revolutionary activities by uh, Chinese instructors, East German, Cuban, Czech, Soviet instructors, of course, and other instructors in the arts of bloody revolution. And, of course, it has been a goal of communism since the 1920s, so coming on almost 100 years, to use the struggles between the races, in particular the black-white struggle in America and, of course, in South Africa, not with the goal of liberating the blacks, but with the goal of destroying capitalism, with the goal of destroying the free market, of destroying limited government and imposing a one-party state, a dictatorship. That is the goal. And this, of course, explains why uh, race-baiting and this divisiveness that is setting us against each other is so constant. It's because their goal is not to liberate the blacks. The goal is not to liberate uh, anyone. Their goal is to destroy the existing system and replace it with a communist dictatorship. Now, once the South African Communist Party took control of the ANC, they then began to use this training and the arms that they were supplied by these communist dictatorships to attack and torture and murder those in South Africa who they believed opposed them or were uh, police informants. And of course, you can, there were no trials of any particular note. It was the usual horror show of grabbing people in the middle of the night and torturing and slaughtering them. And they acted uh, uh, and murdered even more blacks than they did against the white minority in the country. Uh, this was a savage grab for power, using race as the cover for the impulse for totalitarianism. Now, Mandela was not only a Communist Party member, but he was a top South African Communist Party leader. And he denied this, of course, and it wasn't until after his a death in uh, 2013 that this all was confessed by everyone. But because he was at the top of the South African Communist Party, then he is involved, if not downright culpable, in the literally uncountable numbers of acts of, of terror and, and murder and torture committed by the ANC. And what has happened? Has there been, of course, a growth in freedom and uh, economic prosperity and liberty and equality and so on? Well, of course not. So looking at the ANC without seeing that it is in a sense a sheath for the sword called the South African Communist Party, then we can understand that Mandela's role and goal was to end up with South Africa being run by this ANC slash South African Communist Party, or SACP. It's increasingly tyrannical, uh, intolerant, um, and corrupt, and kleptocratic, and uh, what's going on? Record-level violent crime, chaos, uh, attacks upon uh, whites, uh, uh, calls for genocide uh, against whites, uh, which will then, of course, become genocides against particular groups of blacks who are perceived to be opposing the path the country is on, um, record high um, HIV infections, uh, de degrading infrastructure, uh, collapse in the, the food supply. Ugh. 
And of course, the whole goal, right? They say, oh, well, the ANC was to, was to raise the black population, uh, to, to make them uh, wealthier and more free and so on. And that, of course, uh, the opposite has occurred. The a- ANC inherited the, by far, the wealthiest country in Africa. In fact, when the uh, communists took over other countries in Africa, the blacks fled the communists and tried desperately, and sometimes did, manage to get into South Africa. South Africa was a haven for the bloodthirsty communism that was ravaging the continent, um, well, since the post-Second World War period in particular. And what's happened now? Well, the, the ANC, they squash dissent. Uh, they have the usual, you know, hands in the treasury that is common to larger and larger governments, massive unemployment, increased poverty, homelessness, massive crime, and uh, just collapsing healthcare, I mean, healthcare system and so on. So this is the history that, of course, you're not being told because, well, we'll get to the reasons in a moment. And uh, you can see, you can find this on YouTube. There's footage of the saintly and sainted Nelson Mandela singing a genocide song, Kill the Boer, Kill the White Farmer. Mandela had a longtime comrade in the ANC and the South African Communist Party, who was president of South Africa, Jacob Zuma, also sings Kill the White Farmer. And this song is um, uh, a, a trigger point. It, it, it raises a certain amount of homicidal frenzy in the people who are listening to this song. And they say, kill the whites, kill the white farmers. This is the top members of South Africa's ANC ruling regime inciting genocide in their country. But he had a nice smile and looked like a friendly grandpa and was relentlessly covered up by the media. And this is all the more astonishing when, of course, you remember that there are a bunch of demented slash dementor hate speech hysterics constantly floating around the world looking for anyone who's saying anything that they could spin as terrible or bad or wrong or negative. Heaven forbid you make a bad joke about a Nazi pug salute. You will be prosecuted for two years. But you can have top political members in South Africa inciting genocide. The rest, as they say, is silence. Now, the ANC, I assume this came through communism, who knows, but they, um, they have a horrifying practice called necklacing where somebody who is believed to be a police informant, and of course there's never any trial, it's just the usual kangaroo court, uh, bottom of the basement, finger-pointing, hysterical mob unleashing. And there's this thing called necklacing where a man, usually a man, is uh, put in the center of a mob. They throw stones at him. They, they beat him. They, they gouge at him. They, they tear at him. And then they take a tire and they fill it with gasoline. They put it around his head or around his neck or around his body. That's why it's called necklacing. And they set fire to it um, and continue to stone him and beat him and gouge him. And his face melts off his skull from the heat. It uh, takes quite a while to die. And it is just about the worst exit that can be conceived of from this mortal sphere. Winnie Mandela, 
Nelson Mandela's former wife, was caught on video, screaming to a massive mob, with our boxes of matches and our necklaces, we shall liberate this country. Nelson Mandela, his wife, Winnie Mandela, she was convicted in court of the torture-slash-murder of a 14-year-old boy named Stompy Mugetsi. She was found, well, there was the South Africa Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Didn't quite take, of course. Winnie Mandela was found to be guilty for kidnapping, torturing, and murdering numerous men, women, and children. And children. She ended up free, sitting on the ANC's executive committee. Nelson Mandela, Jacob Zuma, let her, this murderess, sit on the ANC's highest body. Murder, torture. We turn now to Jerry Richardson, Jerry Richardson, sorry, Winnie Man- Mandela's chief bodyguard. This is in the late 1980s and uh, very close to her. And uh, he talked, eventually, when he was in front of South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission. He said, my hands are full of blood today because I would be instructed to kill and I would do like I was told. He uh, was serving a life sentence for this stumpy, sapy 14-year-old And he described beating, torturing, and killing people whenever Mommy, his name for Mrs. Mandela, uh, ordered him or asked him or requested that he do so. Mr. Richardson, Nelson Mandela, sorry, Winnie Mandela's close friend and bodyguard, said that he used garden shears to finally kill the 14-year-old boy after beating him for days. He reported that Winnie Mandela, Nelson Mandela's wife, participated in these beatings, using her hands, her fists, and a whip. But he said she never did any of the killing. So she whipped after death a 14-year-old boy, but she let her bodyguard kill him. She actually ran a football club that seemed to do a whole lot of murdering and assaulting, but never actually seemed to play much football. This is back in the 1980s. And she was convicted uh, in 1991 uh, of kidnapping and assaulting this 14-year-old boy, but she was fined $3,200. $3,200. the price of a 14-year-old boy. So there was this young white minister, just a little bit of backstory, there was a young white minister... And they wanted to ruin him. And so they kidnapped this stompy fellow along with three other youngsters. They were in a church mission. They were kidnapped. And what they wanted to do was to get the children to accuse the young white minister of sexually abusing them. Right? This is not a new tactic from the left, you understand. This accusation, these accusations of sexual abuse. Now, all the boys were savagely beaten until they agreed to 
accuse the young white minister of sexually abusing them. But there were rumors or some suspicion or some madcap speculation that Stompy, the 14-year-old boy, was a police informer and therefore he was beaten the most severely. This is, of course, one of the reasons why, although she was referred to as the mother of the nation, some people refer to her as the mugger of the nation. A woman uh, reported, and we'll put links to all this below, a woman reported said her nephew was a victim of Mrs. Mandela's notorious football club. And she said there are a lot of children who were beaten up by Winnie's people, even killed. Has this come out of nowhere? During a, a court trial, Mandela, of course, was found in his handwriting to have written How to Be a Good Communist. Kind of an oxymoron. But in his handwriting, there is also the declaration that, and I quote, traitors and informers should be ruthlessly eliminated. And he recommended, and I quote, cutting off their noses, among other barbarities. Now this was a tactic used by Algeria's communist terrorists. So, yeah, he was a communist, a top communist, a member of the ruling Central Committee. And he was selected as the key communist who was going to enact the terror war against the South African government, which was approved by the Kremlin and trained by a wide variety of homicidal, psychopathic communists, but I repeat myself, around the world, and backed by the Soviets. Now, you may say, of course, he wasn't old, and he made bad decisions, and he did divorce Winnie. But let's see. In 1998, at the age of 80, Mandela married for the third time. To who, you might ask? To whom? Graca Machel. So there's this guy named Samora Machel, who was the communist dictator of Mozambique. A ruthless and hideous and mass-murdering nightmare of a human being, as you can imagine. It's communist, right? It's like narcissism, Nazism, but with leftist PR. So Samora Machel, the dictator of Mozambique, had... A wife, he died, so her widow, Greco Marshall, ended up getting married to Nelson Mandela when he got married for the third time. Now, this woman, who he married, was a longtime member of the communist terrorist organization run by her husband. Uh, he gained control over Mozambique in 1975. So, for more than a decade, this Lady Macbeth on steroids was the wife, the partner of her husband's reign of the usual torture and murder and uh, destruction of men, women, and children. So she's dead. And he's dead. And who, who's telling the truth about any of this stuff? And if you look at the left, this is who they lionize. They lionize these people. People who bomb, people who torture, people who murder children, people who study at the blood-soaked feet of dictators to learn their methods, to learn their ways, to enact their brutalities. They cover up for these people, they praise these people, they 
lionize these people. They make movies about these people. They make they they are the red-handed saints of the theology of murder. And if you look at the mainstream media, the mainstream culture, the the um, academics and so on, these are the people they love. And who do they hate? Well, they hate people who try to bring you some kind of freedom, who try to bring you some kind of reality, who try to bring you some kind of ethics, who try to save you, who try to save your life, your future, your freedoms. Who do they hate? They hate people like, uh, of course, they hate Donald Trump. He wants to shrink the state. They hate Ayn Rand, talked about a very small government. They hate Margaret Thatcher, who hated socialism. They hate uh, Ann Coulter. They, I mean, this is who they, these are the people that they love. These murderers, these torturers of children, these, these homicidal maniacs. This mainstream culture has devolved into a cult of hate. And Coulter has a great book called Demonic, where she talks about the impulses that drive these people, and it's hard to argue. There is a brimstone, cordite smell of dried blood and emptied bladders that floats through the air when these demons enter the scene. There is a satanic element to this level of hatred. They don't love the poor. They hate the rich. They hate the success. They hate life. They hate prosperity. They hate growth. Some people, as the saying goes, just want to watch the world burn. And the mainstream media lionizes these people, not just to cover up their crimes, and to render the world incomprehensible. And when the world is incomprehensible, we become desperate. When we become desperate, we turn to violence. This is why postmodernism must first confuse you, and then call you a victim, and then demonize the successful, placing the weapons of rhetoric, and eventually bricks, bullets, and guns, and armies into your hand to get you to destroy the life-giving productive force of human creativity. So they wish to make the world incomprehensible, so that you will become violent over time. But another reason why they do this, of course, is they desperately, desperately want to pave the bloody path of flowers for other dictators to march down. So if you are a homicidal maniac, if you are a demonically hate-filled, horrifying horror of a human being, then you can enact, as long as you're on the left, if it's Pinochet, well, then you're demonized forever, as if Allende wouldn't have done what... They don't care about Venezuela, right? They don't care about Venezuela. They love Chavez because... Chavez uh, put in a system that destroys... They don't care about the poor. They hate the rich. Hatred of the good for being the good, as Ayn Rand said. It's more true now, I think, than when she first wrote it. But they praise these horrifying human beings as a way of inviting other horrifying human beings to take a stroll down the same path. We will cover up your crimes. We will praise you. We will give you awards. We will lionize you. We will create of you a saint. It is an open invitation for more murderers to wield more weapons 
over the helpless and the downtrodden and the degraded. They praise not just to cover up the crimes of the past, but to invite on bended knee the crimes of the future, the crimes that can well ensnare and bury us all. So on this day, when a vicious, child-torturing woman has fled the scene to whatever fate awaits her, just remember the old saying, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he did not exist. He does. But he is not as dangerous as those who cloak him in invisibility and then flowers, so that you think that what is approaching you is something benevolent. And when the devil finally exposes himself to you, when the mask is finally ripped off, he is too close to resist.